Welcome to our weekly. I mean, we, we mean weekly Wednesday night sheer. These Nishmas are in Baruch Menyuda Levi, Amelia Bas Sarah. Um, yeah, sorry. Action packed week coming up. Once again, once again, welcome everybody on Skype. Once, once again, we have another little issue with our Haftorah the Shabbos. We're not going to be saying the standard Parsha Haftorah. Um, so, let us just get down to the highlights of the Shir tonight. Hashem. We're going to, of course, discuss the beginning of Svita Saima, which started actually a week before. But we didn't manage to start talking about it last week's year. We're going to discuss Pasha Shmini, the rights of Pasha Shmini. We're going to actually discuss a little bit of Mishnah Pekiyaves. We're going to discuss a little bit of Sekhta Seita. Pasha Shmini, in its own ironic way, its own way of its novelty, especially this week, this year, the, nov- the novelness of eight times we're reading Shmini, which we said we would talk about, Miyat Hashem. Um, the beauty and the novelty of Teda itself. I'd like to change a little bit this week, switch off, alter the format, and open with a story. A story that I've told um, a few months ago, because I got a video of it from a student of mine, a former student, who <coughs> ironically videoed it, um, without the person, the person obviously knew he was being videoed, but the person had said that he had, let her, he had been asked many times to record his story and never did. The story, when I read it now, was a little more embellished, shall we say, and begins, of course, with the Holocaust survivor who survived the war, came out of the ovens of Auschwitz, and returned to his home to find it, of course, overrun by Polish um, Jew lovers. And he went to a DP camp, his whole family being wiped out, extinguished over Chachman And he met a woman there, a Jewish woman, they married Baruch Hashem, and they were blessed with a little boy. The little boy was born in the DP camp, and they moved here to America, to the wonderful, famous Lower East Side of New York. If I continue the share, I'd like to apologize. The voice is not going to change. I haven't got one. I have a very bad cold, and I also lost the lens of my glasses. Okay. Um... A very bad cold, so I'm sorry. I apologize for the sound of the voice. 
hope it doesn't get too irritable during this year. Um, yeah, they moved to New York, to the Lower East Side, and what could you ask from this Holocaust survivor? What would he ask from Hashem already? He was blessed to find a wife after the war, to survive the war, and blessed that the wife was able to bear him a boy. He pretty much was, as we call in America, an Ashtega. He was on track where he wanted to be. Unfortunately, the boy was not a big learner. He was not a big Talmud Chacham. But he wasn't a stupid boy. His secular studies, he excelled. Unfortunately, Hebrew studies did much to be desired. But he did not want to disappoint his father, or hurt his father in any which way, form, or fashion. <coughs> Sorry. And managed to, dis- to do disguise this throughout his years of yeshiva. By Yem and the boy reached the milestone. No, not eight days and not three years. He reached the milestone of Bar Mitzvah. The boy was to become Bar Mitzvah. It wasn't, as I said before, easy for him to absorb anything in the Jewish themes. But they did prepare him for a little bit of a Maftir, I guess, Maftira. And he worked very diligently. He put a lot of blood, blood sweat, and tears into preparing his after his career, little mic, whatever. And one day his father comes home, exuberant, a surprise that they never imagined. He got an appointment to go to the Rebbe, to the Lubavitch Rebbe. Now, in Europe, they were associated, affiliated with Sosov, with here, with there. They came to America, there was nothing really at the time. But people knew about the Lubavitch Rebbe. And the Lubavitch Rebbe is a Rebbe. And if they can get it to go to the private audience, a Chilis with the Rebbe, and to get a bracha for the Babitza boy, what else did the father ask for? Givaldi Kanayas, beautiful. And the boy was ecstatic, ecstatic. What is this? And he came the next day to Yeshiva. And he tells his friends, You know what my father got me? What he secured for us? What he did for us? We're going to go to the Lubavitch Rebbe of Yeshivas. Now the boy, uh, I didn't have a copy of him. The boy, in his ominous wisdom, in his years of learning Tata, managed to secure himself one Mishnah. <coughs> now, interesting, no, 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 regular cup, but it's going to be water. It's very interesting that when you write the story, when you hear the story, the variances that they have. Uh, the way the person writes the story, 
he writes that the boy had been punished once and had to study this one Mishnah. And that's why he knew this Mishnah. But that was not at all the uh, situation. The boy himself tells the story and he says, <coughs> he knew he had to go into the Rebbe, and he knew the Rebbe is going to usually test the Mitzvah boy. So he learned one Mishnah. And he learned that Mishnah very diligently. It could be it's not the same story. Because the story that's written tells that it was a mitzvah. The guy doesn't mention that it went in for his mitzvah. He just went in randomly with his father. I don't know. I can't tell you. I'm going to tell you the version that I read it from. And what I'll tell you the everybody. Okay. And in, the, in this version, it says he tells that he went in for his bar mitzvah. And the boys told him, uh, do you realize, of course, that Rebbe's going to ask you what you learn? What you study in yeshiva? What are you going to answer him? He's going to ask you which Gemara, you don't even know which Gemara you're learning. Never mind anything in the Gemara. This burst the boy's bubble. But the boy did have this one mission under his belt. And he came to the Rebbe. And he was nervous. He was petrified. He was so scared. What's the Rebbe going to say when he can't tell him anything about the Yamada that he's learning? And the father came in with the, with the son. And they told the father, the Chassidim don't shake the Rebbe's hand. They also told the father that the Chassidim don't sit on Yechidus. So even if the Rebbe offers you to sit or offers you his hand, decline. Be a Chassid. And he complied. He said, fine. But he didn't know. You come to the Rebbe, you give a letter, and you give it to May Pigeon. A little donation. And he came in, and he handed the Rebbe the envelope, and the Rebbe told him, leave it for the uh, secretary. Okay. Leave it for the secretary. In the meantime, the Rebbe spoke to the father in Yiddish. Very powerful conversation, apparently. And the boy standing there, his knees are knocking. His he says the desk is banging against the desk. You can hear the desk rattling practically. And uh, garnished. The Rebbe turns to him, to the little boy, and he says, "Fashtes Yiddish." And he says, "Yes." So the Rebbe asked him a question. The boy's eyes opened. He knew the answer. The Rebbe asked the second question, and he knew the answer. And the third question, that he knew the answer. And the boy realizes the Rebbe is asking him on that Mishnah that he knows. Now, he didn't disclose this to anybody. And definitely not to his father. He didn't want his father to know he only knows one Mishnah. So, all of a sudden, the boy felt like a Talmud Chacham. The 
The Yechid is finished. The Rebbe gave him a beautiful bracha for his bar mitzvah, for his studies. And the boy backed out with his father from the room. The proud, proud father who just saw his Tammit Kochum son ace all the questions that ever asked him, scooped up the boy and just hugged him and kissed him and just hugged and kissed and hugged him. I just couldn't leave go of the boy. That love knew no bounds right now. Besides that it's his Bamitsa boy. It's his boy that after all that they've been through and all that his life that he suffered besides all that a Talmud Chacham a genius so proud was this father everybody saw the joy that the father and the son had they thought for sure that Adam must have given them <coughs> instruction to, to take over the world to bring Mashiach. And they asked him, what message? What message did the Rebbe impart? And the boy knew very well. The boy knew that the message of the Rebbe was sensitivity. Being sensitive to a fellow Jew. Making sure never to hurt, never to insult, never to step on the toes of a fellow Jew. This is a powerful lesson that this child had. Apparently he didn't grow up to become a Talmud Chacham. But he did well, he excelled in his secular studies and I believe became an English principal secular principle. The feelings of a fellow Jew, whether the Jew hurt you, did you, wronged you in any which way, form or fashion, one needs to find, one needs to dig, dig deep down and find in the, the cavern of their heart I don't know. Look straight. Crooked. I don't know. Anyway. In the deep depths of their hearts, forgiveness and love for a fellow Jew. And this is what they never taught this little boy. A life lesson. We started in the second day of Pesach, second night of Pesach, to count the Omer. For those of you that have admired tonight, and counted the Omer, I'm sure you're still counting with the Bracha. Tonight is Hoid Shebigvura. Each week of Svira, of the seven weeks of Svira, Represents one of the seven attributes Chesed, Gvura, Teferes, Netzach, Heid, Yesed, and Malchus. Gvura represents strength.
Hoid is a ray. A ray of light is a hoid. Hoidai, zivai, ha'orof and shmei. Ahedai, his shine, his ray. Givura is very severe. But Givura is also implies strength. There are times when we need to do something, we involve ourselves in something half-heartedly. The sphere of Gevura tells us we need to do it with full strength. We need to give ourselves over completely, unconditionally. And we need to be able to shine so much so that we are Nerei Slohoir. We are candles that not only stay in our closet and keep the shelf warm, but when you light this candle, it does more than just burn. That flame illuminates the Tamimim of Yeshiva Stenchot. Tamimim were given the task of being Neda Yislohoir. Candles that will light up others. Candles that go out and enlight up the world. This, therefore, is the concept of Haid. When we have somebody in our lives that we want to impart to them a message, we want to impart to them strength, we want to give them the power to overcome any obstacles in their lives. There are different ways that we get to approach to do this. If we do this with an unconditional love, the message comes across so much clearer. And words that leave the heart, that come from the heart, enter to the heart. And therefore we take with big Buddha. Yes, it's with strength. Yes, it's severe. Yes, it's intense. But it's with a hide, the beautiful shine, the beautiful light that lights up the darkness. A little bit of light pushes away the greatest amounts of darkness. <coughs> We've discussed in the past years the days of Svira. What are the days of Sfira? The days of Sfira we are mourning. We are mourning the passing of the 24,000 students of Manhaitana, Rabbi Akiva. They died during this era. And the Gemara tells us, if you keep score at home, Gemara Yevomis, Samach Beis, Amit Beis. Sorry, I have to get a cough button on the uh, recordings here. Samach Beis, Amit Beis. What should I do? This is what I've got. I can only give a shit with what I have. Recola. Recola, yeah, okay. Recolas and Shmikolas. 
I drank tea, we drank had water with honey, with, with lemon and everything. And Hashem Yazor, Gamze Yavor. Anyway, the Imara says, Shmeisim Leva, Mipnei Shleinagu, Kaved, Zel, Ozele, did not behave with honor one to the other. Therefore, in this time, we refrain from any kind of simchas. We don't make weddings. We don't take haircuts, etc. We don't listen to music. That's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to pay tribute to the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva. So much so that we're all still thousands of years later in mourning of these people. Hey, they died because they didn't behave. They weren't treating each other properly. For this, I have to mourn for a person like that? Honestly? But hey, if they were students of Rabbi Akiva, they were not the normal person. They were not an average person, obviously. So, the flip side says, the flip side says yes, we have to mourn. Is mourning always the solution? Is mourning always the way to go, as we say it? Yes. We find Chedish other. The Aved of Chedish other, Mishinichnas other, Marabim Besimcha. We add in Simcha. And we can overcome anything, any trial, any tribulation, any hard, hardship. Besimcha. If we're positive, and if we're secure, and we're happy, with true joy, we can overcome anything. Why? The three weeks is bad enough that we mourn the temple. Another seven full weeks of mourning here for these people. Is that really the whole Aveda? No. No. We need to soul search. In our soul search, we see that the reason that they passed was Leinagu Kavit They didn't treat each other properly. What's the opposite of that? How do you fix that? By adding in Avasisro. And especially between one Jew and a fellow a Jew and a fellow Jew. With honor, with proper respect. Until you literally compensate for what went on between the Tamid and Rebbe Akiva. Now, yes, you're paying tribute to them by mourning them. But you're not elevating anything that way. You're not fixing anything that way. You fix by doing something that's going to make them honored, that's going to make them happy. And that is doing the opposite of what they had done. To show that I learned a lesson from that, and I know that I need to behave with proper Avas Yisrael. If you keep me score at home, the Yizumar and Baruchas, Nunches Amar Aleph, 
It's also brought down in Sanhedrin, Lamed Chesamir Aleph. The Gemara tells us that Hashem created a wonderful world. And in His world, He decided to put variety. One of the concepts of variety is Einde Yisair Shavais. Not everybody has the same opinion about things. People tend to argue. And we find not only argue over politics, <coughs> choke of such words, not over trivial things, but terror thoughts. A Gemara. Open up a Gemara. And something the Mishnah says, the Tanakama of the Mishnah, the first Tana, and the second Mishnah comes along, second Tana in the Mishnah comes along and says the opposite. The Mishnah says a halacha, and one Ameda explains the Mishnah one way, and another Ameda explains it the opposite. Ain they say in Shavis, they're not saying the same thing. We say, Elu ve'elu Everybody's words are God's words here. But they're saying the opposite from each other. Who's right of each other, not from? Just want to interject. Um, my wife, Zangizunt, wanted me to say uh, a certain very, very powerful, beautiful sicha of the Rebbe, of the Rebbe's Bashmini tonight by this year. And said, you're right. It's a beautiful sikha. But I have already three hours worth of one hour shir. I can't add that. So, she was right. She's still right. That sikha is beautiful. That would have been a fantastic thing to speak about. And it would be a wonderful thing if we could have a five hour shir. It would be even nicer if I get through one hour with my voice. So if I just doesn't disconnect this from the sound of this grating thing. Oof. So God created the world in the Isaiah Shabbos. So that everyone should have their opinion. The thing is though that people tend to stand on their laurels. And they say, my opinion is the right opinion. And therefore, your opinion is worth squat? I don't know. Let's not go that far. In that case, God Almighty, you created the world for Machlikas. If you created the world with no two people having the same opinions then you set us up for failure here. You set us up to have constant disagreements. God forbid. It's just the opposite. Like I said before, God wants variety. He wants to stimulate the mind. 
He wants to give you the options, he wants to give you the ways and the different trains of thought that one should be able to take on and understand and go. Are these glasses crooked? Yes. Yeah, your hair going ophthalmologist, ophthalmologist, whatever you are. Here, fix these things. Thank you. And the lens is falling out. Let's try these. Yeah. The Abishnah wants us to delve into a topic. Don't take things carte blanche. Yes, you can hear an opinion. You can hear it about Tata. But if there's something there that doesn't agree with you, if there's something there that doesn't totally fit in the mold, in the puzzle, you're allowed to ask. And if your opinion says, I think even, not even saying it right, I think there's something different to this. You're allowed to say that. You're allowed to voice your opinion. And this ultimately brings about conversation. Should the conversation turn into a war? Should it turn into a hatred, to a battle? No. No. But everyone's allowed to come up with their opinion. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> so much so. <coughs> we find in we find this rabbi says we do things this way, and this rabbi says we do things this way. So if you follow this rabbi, you go according to him. If you follow this rabbi, you go according to him. The only question is that as long as you don't say that that rabbi is not allowed to even say anything. He has no right to talk. Who is he to talk? Who is he? He's not an authority. Where did he learn anything? Where did he get anything from? He doesn't have the the credentials, as we call it. But the truth to be told, that if we listen, and we grasp Das Teda, we see how clear it is. And if you really respect, if you really listen to what you're being told in Das Teda, you will hear two different opposite opinions and you will understand both of them. You'll understand how they both could fit into your life. A person needs to alter his nature. His seichel, his midas, his intellect, his attributes. He needs to put aside all his personal issues. He needs to seek the truth. And that happens when he reaches that level. <laughs> Nobody else hinders him. Nobody else bothers him if he finds the real Torah truth. Nobody else is has a problem, he has no problem coexisting with anybody else. So much so, that another opinion comes along, he can turn it through to bring it to a proper understanding. <coughs> the word Svira, from Svira Tzahimer, also comes from the word Sapir. An Evan Sapir. 
shining stone. These are days that we ask the person to shine. The days of Sviran, especially as we said before, Haid, Shabigura. To purify, to elevate the essence of the person. person needs to be concerned that they take every fiber of their existence and they put it in proper perspective to serve God. Not to go out and sit there and to think, how can I make somebody else's life miserable? How can I go destroy this person? How can I go destroy this person's life, his family and everything else? That is not our mission. Our mission is how can I make the world a better place? And killing somebody doesn't help. Isn't part of the plan. That's God's. I need to make sure everybody is in good, straight, in good stead. Person has a financial problem, I have to find him money, I can find him money. Whatever it might be. But not, God forbid, to do worse, to do bad to another. And also, the days of Svira, stress. Even if you went over, if you overstepped, and you did something that upset or that rocked somebody's boat or caused them embarrassment, like happened by the Tamidar of Akiva, don't fret. We need to fix it. You can fix it. Through Svira. Through adding of light. Adding peace. Adding unity between a Jew and a fellow Jew. Teda is lemana shalom. Teda is for peace. So if God forbid someone did something to somebody, we need to find a way to make peace between them, not war, not battle. To appease each one, like Aaron Akayin did. <coughs> he went to each side, and said, the other side is looking to forgive you. This is also one of the reasons that we learn Pirkei Ovis during the weeks of Svira. Because the concept of Pirkei Ovis is Musarim and Midas. The words of Musar and the words of Midas Tevis, how one should behave. And that's what's asked of the people of the Jewish nation to purify and to glorify their attributes. And that's what we learn in the words of Pirkei Avis. And we do seven weeks of this. Six weeks Pirkei Avis. And this is all a preparation for the Chagashvois of Matan Teda. Teda was given to make peace in the world. To unite the world with spirituality, with holiness. All parts of creation, one with the other. So before we receive the Tehidim, before we accept the Tehidim and Milo, 
we need to prepare ourselves to go out through a way of accepting, of doing things, of unity, of purification, personally, here in this world. And through this we come to the Geula, Amitis Vahashleimah. Let us turn now to Pasha Shmini, because the time is short. Pasha Shmini is a very, very rich Pasha. I didn't say in the uh, Rashi Prakim in the beginning of this year, we also need to talk about the day after Shabbos, Sunday, which is a Shredish year. Shmini, Shmeina, Shmeina. Pelish Chassidim say that the year that we read Shmini eight times will be a fat year for the Jews. Fat, of course, not meaning about all the fast food stores, but fat meaning rich, wealth. We read Shmini eight times. Shabbos, Agadol, Bemincha. Monday and Thursday before Pesach, it's three times. Shabbos afternoon on the first day of Pesach is four. Shabbos afternoon on the last day of Pesach is five. Monday and Thursday this week are six and seven, and the Shabbos mention will be eight. Mini Chabad, we learn Chitas every day. Chumish, Tilim, and Tanya of the day. The Tanya is divided up throughout the year, from Yutas Kislev to Yutas Kislev. The Tehillim is divided up the days of the month, and the Chumish the days of the week. You learn the Chumish of that coming Shabbos. Now the Shabbos before Pesach, we learned that week, Parshas Shmini. Because that was the Parsha after Tzav. The next Shabbos, the next week, during the week of Pesach, we learned Chitas Parsha Shmini. Because that's the Parsha after Tzav. And this week we're learning Parsha Shmini. Because that's this week's Shabbos. We're going to be learning Parsha Shmini. That's three weeks. For those of you who keep track, not score, if you keep track, every month has four weeks. Give or take a day. Depends on what the IRS lets. It's first quarter, second quarter, you know. You gotta factor all that in. Um, four weeks in the month of Nisan. Three of those weeks we've been learning Chitas Pasha Shmini. Wow! We have saturated our month with Pasha Shmini. Not only that, the final Shabbos of the month. Is Pasha Shmini on the last day of the month? Although the thirtieth day is the first day of Shchedish year, so therefore we don't necessarily count that. So we encompass this week of this month of Nisan, the first of the month, first month of the year, with Shmini. We lived with Pasha Shmini for most of the month. <coughs> what do we get from it? Well, we got to learn how to sing the Mercha Kfula. We also learn, if, you're going to, if you know the notes of the Kriya, 
there's in Pasha Shmini also a word that has two different notes on it. Yerushayim and Adishigadela. Small word, Kirvu, so there's not much you can do with it. If I had a voice, I would attempt to do it. I can't. I'd probably choke out in the beginning of it. <coughs> but let's look at the Pasha. Starts off with a beautiful thing, Vayhibayim Ashmini. The Shmini is the eighth day of the Miluim. They fought not Miluim in the army in Israel. It's a beautiful thing also, but we're not talking about that. The Miluim, the eight days they prepared, set up to open the Mishkan. They prepared every day. On the eighth day, which follows, of course, you can only have eighth day. If the seven days before that, if you're a child from the fifties and sixties, you'll know if I make the reference eight days a week. Uh, Atlanta scratching its head. Yeah, eight days a week. Okay, it has to do with a bug, a very big bug. It looks like a cockroach. He hasn't got it yet. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. He's been sending me texts I haven't been looking at. <laughs> he got it. He's got it. Who's texting on your phone? You didn't do that. So who just did that? Who sent the last, the, the worst word? Who just sent me the answer? The Beatles. You wrote it? Okay. <laughs> Anyway, eight days can only be after seven. In these days, they set up and they took apart the Mishkan every day. And finally, on the eighth day, it was established. And then they started to do Avedis and Mishkan. A flame came down onto the holy altar from heaven. And consume the carbonates, the sacrifices brought up by Aaron and his sons. Mm. The nation saw this and they got frightened and they fell to their faces. One of the most beautiful, glorious moments in the Jewish history. The eighth day. I think today there's a Jewish group called Eighth Day, by the way. Anyway, the Pash continues and tells us the story of Nadav and Avihu, the sons of Aharon, who I hope to still have time, I don't see it how, but to talk about. Nadav and Avihu had a tremendous chuka, a yearning to connect and to attach themselves to God. Please get the call in the kitchen. On the phone. Thank you. Why did they die? Because they only wanted to connect to God. They didn't want to come back down into this world. And that happened. Their souls were taken from them. They went up and connected directly to God. We'll discuss hopefully the Rashi's. I don't know if we'll make it. 
I would like to. Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Shmuel, what they, how they explain how they died. But right now, I want to just get focus on this. A tremendously high level they reached. So much so they were ultimately accepted. God said, "You, this is what you want. This is what I accept," and took their souls to show again the glory and the greatness of the Jewish nation. And they need to warn the Jewish nation from this: that one may not serve God with kalis hanefesh. One may not serve God by just giving up his soul. With just letting his soul leave his body for it. So the Parsha, starting with two tremendously holy, great points in Jewish history. What happened to Scranton? Scranton, we lost him. How did you lose Scranton? Come back here. I hope that works. I don't know. Anyway. Sorry, Scranton. I don't know what happened to you. Then the Pasha takes a nosedive. Literally speaking, a nosedive. This same Pasha that starts off talking about the Shemina Yimaluim and talking about how the children of Aaron were so holy that they only wanted to connect to God Himself directly. It starts to talk about. Oof. Animals. The animals. The ones that are pure, the ones that are impure, kosher, not kosher. And then it goes not only to the animals, it goes to the insects. To the grasshoppers and to. Wow! From such a high, great, holy level, all the way down to such a mundane level? Seriously? Um, but let's get real. Let's get focused. Where does this fit into the picture here? How does a parsha talking about such holy and lofty things all of a sudden start talking about a person that needs to be warned don't eat vermin. Don't eat bugs. Talking about the holiest and loftiest nation in the world. To talk about such disgusting things. But if the tale is warning us about this, this got some, something's got to fit into this picture. But how is it possible that Shkotzim and Ramosim come as a continuation of how the Jews were in the highest level of their lives? Barring Matan Torah. This comes to teach us the greatness 
and the importance of Kabbalah's Hail. Acceptance of the yoke of heaven. There are times that we think that only the person in the lowest levels, the lowliest of people, need to have Kabbalah's ill. They need to accept, they need to understand. The reason they're so low is because you're not really following God's way, because you don't buckle under. person that doesn't have love to God, doesn't have a thirst to mitzvahs, doesn't have a yearning to attach himself to God. But the person that's on the high levels, he doesn't need the concept of Kabbalah Sale. He serves God because he recognizes and he emotionally attaches himself to God. Comes the Tate and tells us Kabbalah's El is a foundation of all service to God. Every person needs to have Kabbalah's El, has to be able to accept the yoke of heaven. When he's standing in the highest of levels, he needs to have Kabbalah's El. Mesha was an Anav. He was the greatest of, of, of most humble person. How could Mesha possibly have been humble? Forty days and forty nights, thrice he stood before God. No eating, no drinking, no sleeping. Did he not know how great he was? I mean, honestly, Mesha. How could you possibly have any kind of humility left in you? Tells us the Teda. Mesha had a very interesting take on that. And he said, anyone else would have been given a neshama, a soul like I have, a lofty soul, they would have done much better. I did well. I did what I had to. Anybody else given the tools that I have would have superseded me with no problem. Tells us that data, this is Kabbalah's sale, even at that level. Even the Meshach Rabbeinu has to have Kabbalah Seil. person cannot just understand and feel, and that's why he's doing the mitzvah. No matter how great and how lofty and how well you understand it, how deep think you are, <coughs> the basis, <coughs> excuse me, the basis to this all is Kabbalah Seil. And if God forbid a person doesn't have it, he can fall to the lowest of levels. So much so, he could, God forbid, start eating vermin and bugs. And therefore, even the highest levels of Pasha Shmini, that eighth day, the Torah needs to inject in us the concept of Kabbalah Sale so that we understand that everyone at all levels needs to have Kabbalah Sale. Let me focus a little bit for a moment. Um, I'd love to come back to this. I'll pick of the week. This week we start Pirkei Avis. 
in the first Pedic of Pirkeyavis. Mishnah 12, the first Pedic. Hillel v'shamay kiblu mehem. Hillel and Shammai were on the ladder, on the, the rung of the ladder, directly under Shammai of Avtalyan. And they received from them, as it came down from Moshe to the Yeshua, to the Skenim, to the Nevi'im, etc., Shmai of Aftalian, and then Hillel and Shammai. So first, the Mishnah quotes Hillel. Hillel Hazokin, as he was known. Hillel Leimer Avimetamidav Shel Aren. One should be of the students of Aren. What was Aren's message? What message did he impart for the Jewish nation? Oyev Shalim. Love peace, pursue peace, love all creations, and bring them closer to Teda. Habriyas, the created beings, doesn't say Ayev Kola Anoshim. Says all the creations. Why? Aaron did not interview a person to hear his virtues before he started to give him, offer him any kind of con- counsel. Aaron saw the beauty, the perfection, and the inner strength and the intelligence, the goodness, and the kindness of each and every person. And therefore, because he was a high priest, and he left now, the presence, God's presence, where it was openly revealed, he'd reach out to the people that had no virtue at all, except for the fact that they were created. So the order that the Mishnah uses is also significant. First concern himself establishing a relationship of love and trust. Confident that this would turn, this would in turn, enable him to draw the people near to Torah. And it's very significant when the Mishnah says, Hill says, bringing them near to the Tera. Although Aaron reached out to these individuals and tried to accommodate them to the fullest degree possible, his efforts were centered on bringing them close to Tera and not Chasashalim, bringing the Tera to them. His involvement never compromised the data.
Similarly, we find in the last blot of Seita that we've learned, today is Yudbeis of Svira, and Dafir Aleph, where the Abish's schar is greater than punishment. The Abish rewards Mila Kenegad Mila. And the Gemara tells us a very interesting thing. One of the people that the Abish would like to reward was Miriam Anavia. Miriam the prophetess went to the Nile River when her brother was placed into the river and watched. She waited for a full hour, says the Teda, till her brother was saved by Batya. The Almighty said, this deserves a tremendous reward. The Imara tells us the reward that she was given later when she spoke ill of her brother, she was punished with seras, with leprosy. And in leprosy, a person needs to be seven days out of the camp. The Jews did not move from camp for seven days until Miriam and Avia was purified. So the Jews waited for her seven days in payment of her waiting for an hour. So we have now Prikiyavis, we have Mesech Seita, we have the Parsha, we have Svira Saimer, Ir is Rashatevis, Ani Hashem Reif Echo, I am God that heals. And as we enter, we embark on the month of Ir, we anticipate just that, all those that need Jafus, Nishuis. And we take the Shmini, the beauty of the Kabbalah's ale of the month. Because it's three weeks out of the month of Nisan, which Nisan, Nigalu, Nisan, the season of Nigal, in Nisan we were redeemed, and in Nisan we will ultimately be redeemed. And we take this, the strength of this, with the Shmini, and we look forward and we anticipate Rishchidish Tev Mavelach, as we bench Rishchidish this Shabbos, we will bless Rishchidish Ir, and we will be in. Yerushalayim Yerakhedesh, of course, with Mashiach Tzitkenu, and we'll be zeichet to see the Rosh Tevis, Aleph, Yud, Yud, Reish, Ani, Hashem, Reif, Echo, I am the God that heals you, and all those that need will find healing in their soul, in their body, in their minds. Shabbat Shalom, Eshchodesh Tov to all.